What's so funny? Come on. Can't give up hope. Right? Come on. There is a point to it, all right? This is not just the bridge to a little game today. Well, good morning. Well, um, we are in a series uh, walking through the Ten Commandments, and uh, we have called those uh, Ten Words. And that's probably the most accurate Hebrew translation um, of what the Ten Commandments are. They are ten words or ten thoughts or ten uh, phrases that God has given to us. Um, And these phrases uh, were really given to the people of Israel and for us to paint a picture of what life is to be about. Uh, They weren't uh, meant to kill, but they were meant to point to life. And so if there was another word that I would title this series, it would be the word reveal. That maybe through these next ten weeks, maybe even today, that God would further reveal who we are and who we aren't. Um, And so this morning is a little bit heavier uh, than some mornings. It's going to be a little bit more personal. And so I want you to know on the front end, that on the back end, that, that the God that we're talking about this morning is not waiting to beat you up. He's not waiting to punish you for things that you've done. But actually, quite the opposite. He is a loving Father who is ready to receive you no matter how far. And some of us are far, even in this moment. Um, And that's okay, because the story's not over. So with that, uh, I want you to join me in prayer this morning. Um, And I'm curious to see all that God has for us this morning. Um, It's always kind of a curious thing for me that that this happens and that God uses this, that we can study and read God's word that's inspired and inerrant and somehow God can use a person like me to influence like you eternally. And uh, that's just amazing to me. So I don't want to get all philosophical. You're like, okay, where's he going? I don't know where I'm going with that. But just knowing that this is even bigger uh, than me, and it's bigger than you. Uh, And so therefore, faith. And that's a pretty good place to be today, right? I think so. So let me pray for us, and then we'll study God's word together. Well, Father, thank you for uh, these moments that you've given us that uh, give us a picture of what life with you eternally is going to be like. Um, I'm excited for that day. I long for that day. Uh, When we get to be home uh, with you, we get to be fully free, fully alive, um, at your feet, just full on worshiping you. Um, Father, thanks that Uh, you are not done with your work in us yet to make us like your son, Jesus. 
Um, so Father, may we uh, catch up with what you're doing this morning. Uh, may we hear your voice. Maybe it's through a passage that's read or a picture that's given. Um, maybe it's something else that you will lead us to. But Father, may we be attentive to your spirit. Uh, we thank you for your son. Uh, and it's in his name that we pray. Amen. All right, if you would turn with me to Deuteronomy. Uh, we're going to be looking at chapter 5, verses 8 through 10. Uh, verses 8 through 10 this morning. Um, so by my jersey, uh, you can tell that I do not have a problem with idols, right? Right, so you know, just kind of giving that as kind of the disclaimer. You know, this is really for you guys. It's not really for me. Um, right, you guys, this is a small community. Y'all know that's not the case. Um, but we all have idols, and that really is our need this morning to realize and, and part of our journey that may seem a little bit more personal um, as I maybe help to, to kind of poke and prod around a little bit this morning um, because many of us in our pride this morning are sitting there thinking, man, this is great for them. You know, this is great for that guy. Man, I know. Whew, I'm so glad this message has come for this guy or for this person. Or for this child. But we all have idols. There's all things within us that we wander off to. Um, So this morning we're going to look back briefly at our first word, at our first commandment. We're going to look at the second one. Um, We're going to look at what these idols are that may be in our life. Um, And then from that, once we maybe identify those, then, okay, how do we get back home? Okay? How do we get back home knowing that we have maybe gone after something else? Maybe there's multiple things that we're chasing, uh, but how do we get back home uh, to where uh, God made us? And then once we get back home, how might we live life there? Oftentimes we think, okay, you know, I've done this and now I'm back, but now like, what might life look like now that I'm back home? So that's our path this morning. And one thing that I want to do, and I read this story a few weeks ago, but I want to kind of weave it in this morning, is I want to weave in the story of the prodigal son. Uh, Just thinking about that story and just the power of it. Um, It takes uh, what commandments could be kind of painted on stone for us, and it puts it in living color to see maybe where we are in the story and how we, uh, as prodigals ourselves, may get back home. Okay? So, that's what our challenge is and what our path is this morning. So first, let's look back at our first word together. And our first word came from verse 7. It says, you shall have no other gods before me. We're going to look at uh, this passage coming up. It says that God is a jealous God. Okay? So we have a jealous God, and he desires for us to be about him only. And I was thinking about uh, this picture. This is um, an oil platform probably out uh, somewhere in the Gulf. Uh, Billions of dollars to construct. Um, It can go down, what I was reading, uh, five or six miles deep. Okay, And all of this uh, is to drill one hole. All of this platform, all of this machinery, all of these people, all of this money... All of it is designed, you can see where 
there's almost like a steeple there, and it goes straight down five miles deep. And that's all it does. It drills one hole to get a ton of oil. And I think, man, what a picture of God saying to us, man, I just want you to be about me. Nothing else. As you travel through life, me. As you talk with another, me. Um, As you struggle, uh, it's all about me. I don't want you to have anything else before you. So that's a picture that we're going to hang on to that kind of magnifies this first word for us. Now let's get to our second. Um, And our second really piggybacks from the first because we were made for God. Uh, We were made to worship. Uh, We're gonna worship. And you may be sitting out there thinking, man, that's great. You know, I could never stand up here. I could never serve in an official leadership position. If you knew who I was... um, Man, I'm just not a spiritual person. Yes, you are. Yes, you are. We are all spiritual people. And God um, has given us choice to worship him or to worship another. So that's what we're looking at this morning is the another. Okay? So it says in Deuteronomy 5, verses 8 to 10, it says this, You shall not make for yourself a carved image. I think the key word there is yourself. You shall not make for yourself a carved image or any likeness of anything that is in heaven above or that is on the earth beneath or that is in the water under the earth. So anything, nothing. I don't want anything but for you to worship me. For I, the Lord your God, am a jealous God. Jealousy in a good, right, holy way. Just like um, if we're finishing up here and we're out in the foyer and I see some guy kind of getting a little bit uh, too nice to Becky. I am jealously going to make my way over there in a loving, protective, competitive I will win type way. And that is the kind of jealousy that he's talking about. He's saying, you're mine. I love you. I want you. I made you for myself. And I'm jealous in a holy and a right kind of way. Visiting the iniquity of the fathers on the children to the third and fourth generation. Our sin, our idols, they're going to have ripple effects. Um from the fourth generation of those who hate me, but showing steadfast love to thousands of those who love me and keep my commandments. It's a loving God. So, what is an idol? Let's give a couple of definitions to it. First, uh, just from this passage, uh, that is anything besides God that you bow down to and serve. Anything that you bow down to uh, or serve. Okay? Um, maybe a different way to say it is chasing after second things. Man, God has blessed us with a lot of second things, and we chase after second things in order to find first things satisfaction. That we chase after second things in order to find first thing, which is God himself, satisfaction. Or thirdly, a different way to say it is it's enslavement often to something that we love, which makes it a little bit tricky. 
Okay, so how can I enjoy this thing without being uh, a worshiper of it? Okay? Uh, just like we just sang, uh, that we are prone to wonder, aren't we? Man, we are prone to leave the God that we love. And that's just part of who we are. And somehow God uses it to make us like his son, and he uses it for his glory, which is amazing and a mystery. So here's where I want to insert the prodigal son and just want to begin the story. And this is what it says in Luke 15, 11 to 13. Many of you have heard it. If you haven't, um, here's the scene. Uh, and he said, uh, Jesus, there was a man who had two sons. And the younger of them said to his father, Father, give me the share of property that is coming to me. And he divided his property between them. Not many days later, the younger son gathered all he had and took a journey into a far country. And there he squandered his property in reckless living. So what's he doing? He's chasing idols. He's chasing second things. He's trying to find life apart from God. So, for us... Uh, if I can begin to dig a little, what are your idols? What are things that right now the Spirit's saying, oh yeah, maybe even right now in this moment, just begin to write them down, okay? Uh, we won't find your piece of paper later, all right? Uh, we aren't going to turn them in. Uh, but maybe what are some of your idols? Uh, some of them are really easy, right? I mean, we can look at a $1.5 billion stadium and say, well, for a lot of people, that's an idol. Um, for, you know, chasing after, you know, and watching a game, just watch one more game, that's a simple idol. Um, so, a few questions for you to consider. What are you most afraid of? What are you most afraid of? Are you afraid, maybe, of being alone? Are you afraid, maybe, that no one will ever love you? Um, are you afraid maybe that you really aren't that smart and people might find it out? And so you create an idol and you begin to chase after love. You begin to chase after friendship. You begin to chase after education. For me, um, I've traced some of my fear back to embarrassment. Uh, a couple of things about my history uh, there was a baseball game that I was probably seven or eight, and I was wearing white baseball pants, and I forgot to change my red fire engine underwear. And so I get to the field, all my friends start laughing, and I told myself in that moment, I didn't know it, but don't ever embarrass yourself again. As well, I was a huge stutterer growing up. Uh, I would get stuck on my R's and my W's, um, which is ironic that I'm where I am today. Man, God has uh, either got a sense of humor or he's, or he's doing a work in my life. Uh, but I told myself, don't be embarrassed. Next, uh, where do you run for comfort? Uh, do you run maybe to alcohol? Uh, is there a drug that you prefer um, sex, um, anger, uh, violence, or even despair, um, and you put 
before yourself a functional savior because you think, if I can just get this thing, it's going to make me feel better or it's going to get me to the next place. And you create that kind of an idol. How about what makes you happiest? What makes you happiest? Uh, This is kind of a funny thing for me. One of the things that really makes me happy is when things are clean. And so, like, Becky and I, like, we'll tell you, some of our biggest fights are, like, cleaning the house. Because for her, she grew up in a home where they were like, you know what, it's really more about relationships, so we're going to choose to do that. And I'm like, man, I want things clean. Because for me, the idol is perfection and things being perfect and things being tidy and in their place. Um, but how about you? Is it, is it success that makes you happy? Um, is it the next vacation? And so in all your idle time at work, man, you are just checking out the vacation, looking at the next deal. How can you make it cheaper? How can you make it better? Because maybe your idol is that. Uh, maybe it's being loved. Maybe it's being connected with others. Uh, and so you'll do all that you can to be connected to someone else. How about this? Uh, what makes you angriest? Like, really, like, what makes you angry? And chase that a little bit, and you might find where an idol is underneath that. Um, How about this? How do you introduce yourself to people? Um, My name is Johnny. I am a pastor. My name's Johnny. I am Becky's husband. Um, Or I live in this place. Maybe that characterizes something that you're putting before God. Uh, Maybe what are you angry at God about? God, I wanted to be this. I wanted to do this. You told me that life would turn out this way. May may there be be an idol behind that. How about this? Maybe what do you brag about? Is there something that you brag about that's just kind of subtly, that you just kind of slip in there that you kind of want people to know this is it. This is who I am. Um, how about this? What do you want to control or master? Do you want to control your friends, your family, your boss, your house? Um, is there anybody connecting with any of these? Please know this is not Johnny, let's beat you up time, all right? Uh, But this is for us to identify maybe those things that are before God. Uh, How about this? What comfort do you treasure the most? Oh, man, I love a good cup of coffee in the morning. Just making sure that I've got my space in the morning, and if I don't get it, oh, man, something's wrong. Um. How about this? What do you sacrifice the most for in your life? What do you sacrifice the most for in your life? That no matter what, I'm going to do this today. If family suffers, I'm going to do this. If uh, money is no object, I'm going to do this. Uh, I've got to take care of this. This has got to get fixed because this is the thing for me. So I think it was John Calvin that said that the human heart, it's an idol factory. The human heart, it's an idol factory that we're going to chase after things. 
Albert Haas says this, that we have lost our true selves and have gone on a wild goose chase after false attractions that drive us into a pig pen in a foreign land. We need to come back home and be the people that God has created us to be. So, our story, uh, we're going to continue on here in just a moment. But what I want you to know that in this is that you're not alone. You're like, oh my goodness. I've just thought maybe there was one thing, but now there's like six. Well, you're not alone. Because there's a lot of other people in this room chasing after a lot of other things. Doesn't make it right, but it just means that you're not alone. And that there's big ones and small ones, but all of them are significant. And please know this, that you are still loved. As far away as you think you are, you are still loved. So how do we get back home? That's a question. You're like, okay, great, man, you've sent me out there. Like, I didn't realize that I was out there. Uh, now these things are out there. So, so what does it look like for me to come back home, right? Is that a question that you have? Man, I mean, go watch any commercial. Uh, go to any Christian bookstore. And man, there's all kinds of prescriptions. There's all kinds of theories. There's all kinds of ways But how do we get back home? For me, a lot of times I live in denial. I'm like, man, it's not me. It's really not that big of a deal relative to that guy because I know he's doing something worse than me. Or this person and what they're stuck in, it's really not that big of a deal. So I'll live in denial. For me, I'll begin to look for strategies. All right. How can I work this? How can I maneuver my life to subtly do it on my own? To get back to God, to get back to who I'm supposed to be. And so I'll look for strategies. And so I find myself in this loop. And I'll come back to the same struggle and I'll come back to the same idol because I'm looking in the wrong places. When God has made himself available, he has made a way through his son, Jesus Christ. Okay? So, is there a path? Is there a way that reflects the story that God is telling? Um, Is there a way that puts God at the center? Um, I know for me, like, like, as I think about these things, and like they can come into my life and they can get real serious. And then a lot of the Jesus jargon, a lot of the following God jargon, I kind of almost push it aside. When really, this is when we need him the most. So what might a path look like? Um, Well, I want to suggest to you a spiritual cycle that's all throughout the New Testament, that's part of the New Covenant, uh, that's part of the way that Jesus made through the Son, and by the Spirit, for us to get back to the Father. Okay? And so, um, part of this uh, was put together uh, by a friend and mentor of mine, and y'all have heard me quote him before, but his name's Larry Crabb. And really, this is him just piecing it together in his words. Um, But I just want to walk through it with you as we look at the prodigal son. And this um, is what it says in verse 14. It says, and when he had spent everything, this is Luke 15, uh, verse 14. He says, and when he had spent everything, a severe famine arose in that country, 
and he began to be in need. So he went and hired himself out to one of the citizens of that country, who sent him into his fields to feed pigs. And he was longing to be fed with the pods that the pigs ate, and no one gave him anything. But when he came to himself, he said, How many of my father's hired servants have more than enough bread, but I perish here with hunger? I will arise and go to my father, and I will say to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and before you. I'm no longer worthy to be called your son. Treat me as one of your hired servants. So where did this son find himself? He found himself at a place of brokenness. He had got to the end of his idols. He had gone to the end of his questing, and he realized, wait a minute, there's a father. There's someone who deeply loves me, and I have gone absolutely the wrong way. And so it begins with a sense of brokenness. It begins with a sense of realizing that, you know what, that I am a wretch. And what I've been doing is gross. And it's not just something that I can classify as okay, but really what it is, is sin. And so it begins with brokenness. And then next, it leads to repentance. It leads to repentance. Um, there was a point where this young man turned. And it says this in Luke 15, it says, And he arose and came to his father. It says, And he arose and came to his father. He got to the end of himself and he said, You know what? I'm absolutely going the wrong way. Totally brings me back to when Luke shared his story. And when someone called him and said, You're going to die. If you don't change your life, you're absolutely going to die. And something, somehow God used that for Luke to say, you know what? I'm going absolutely the wrong way. And so he turned. And this is where the story gets good. So next we go from brokenness to repentance to abandonment. So this is what it says Uh, In verse 20, it says, But while he was still a long way off, his father saw him and felt compassion and ran and embraced him and kissed him. And the son said to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and before you. I am no longer worthy to be called your son. But the father said to his servants, Bring quickly the best robe and put it on him and put a ring on his hand and shoes on his feet And bring the fattened calf and kill it, and let us eat and celebrate. For this, my son was dead, and he's alive again. He was lost, and he's found, and they began to celebrate. And so what I love about this is because oftentimes when we think about our idols, and we think about a strategy, and we think about making promises to God, and we say, God, I'm not going to do it anymore. I promise you, I'm going to read my Bible. I'm going to pray. I'm going to do all of these things. And the story here is that this young man, he turned in brokenness and he repented and he ran back to dad and he literally fell at his feet. And he said, dad, I'm so sorry. And what happened? Did the son begin to do something? 
No, it was the work of the Father. The Father clothed him. The Father put um, a ring on him. The Father threw a party for him. The Father celebrated him. It was the Father's work to the child. And I've been thinking about that in my own spiritual journey, how so much of my own spiritual journey is what I can do for God. God, I'm going to do this for you. I'm going to do this for you. But really, if I think about how I parent, do I entrust um, my relationship with my kids? Do I put it on them? Well, I'm just going to wait until my five-year-old comes to me and asks me how to hammer uh, a nail into a board. No. It's me that's taking the initiative. And so I think it's the picture of us really basking and being, um, being fully received in the Father's love for us. So, as we lay before him, as we um, as we begin to commune with him through the Bible, as we begin to commune with him through prayer, as we begin to commune with him uh, with others, then what begins to happen? Our confidence begins to grow. Trust is built. If you could see my kids, um, my boys love to jump off the stairs. And when they were little... Um, they would start on the bottom step and they would just kind of trickle out. And then as they got older, they went to the second step and then the third step. And now they want to jump from the 10th step. If I told them, hey, get on the roof, jump, I'm going to catch you, they would jump because trust has been built, because they know that I deeply love them. They know that I'm always going to catch them. And that trust has been built through time with them, through repetition, through being with them. They trust me. So that's where the confidence comes from. And so that's such a different picture than the picture of the God who wants to beat you up. That's such a different picture of a God who's saying, you know what? I'm, you know what, if you do it again, I'm going to get you. No, it's a picture of a loving father who was there to adorn you and to receive you and to put uh, love upon you. So as you spend time with him, confidence, trust, faith is built. And you get to know him and he gets to know you. And do you know what happens? Your life begins to change and you begin to look like daddy. And life just flows out of you. Life just flows out of you. So that's a simple picture of being far off in a foreign land and realizing that we're broken, realizing that we need to turn around and then we need to abandon ourselves before God. And through that abandonment, confidence grows and then his spirit simply is just fully released within us in a thing called mission. So, you might have heard something like that before, and you're like, great, but I'm going to do it again. Like, this is going to happen. Well, yes, it's going to happen. And it's just a cycle that we can return to, realizing that we're broken, 
realizing that we can turn back to God. But in these moments when we're back with him and we're reconnected with him, what might that look like? Well, I think living at home might look like this. Just to go back to Deuteronomy 5, 9 to 10, and our time is short. But it says, For I, the Lord your God, am a jealous God, a holy, righteous jealousness, visiting the iniquity of the fathers on the children to the third and fourth generation of those who hate me, but showing steadfast love to thousands of those who love me and keep my commandments. And so at the heart of it all, with us being at home with God, is that he absolutely loves you and I. So what does that look like? Abiding in him. John 15, 5 is one of my favorite passages. It says this, I am the vine and you are the branches. Whoever abides in me and I in him, he it is that bears much fruit. For apart from me, you can do nothing. St. Augustine says this, that you have made us for yourself, O Lord, and our hearts are restless until they find rest in you. So God simply desires as we travel this earth to abide in him. I want to show you a couple of quick pictures. Uh, A few of us were on a silent retreat this weekend, and um, um, this is out the window of where we had lunch, all right? And so uh, this, for me, is just such a picture of abiding. And the reason it's a picture of abiding is because if you look what's right here within and close to this building, what is it? It's palm trees, right? Palm trees, pretty simple, all right? Now, what's in the way distance? Those are fruitless trees. Those trees are not bearing any fruit. But for me, what do I want to do? I want to go out and I want to explore. When, man, I've got like a, like a whole vacation setting right here. And so to me, this is just such a picture of just abiding in God. All right, next picture. It says that if we abide in him and he in us, then we will bear much fruit. And what I thought was so neat, um, this is kind of like the little pond setting. And this pond was really low, all right? The water was low. And the reason why it's low is because they are fixing uh, the river where this water is going to go. Okay, so if you look, you can see where this water is going to go, all right? And I just thought, you know, that is such a vision for me to see that, you know, as I am with God and, and there is this reservoir that as I am with him and he is with me, then he is just going to fill me up and that is going to overflow. And where that overflows to is way beyond this pond, And if you could go and see where we were, this path actually goes way around the corner. And you can see just the overflow of life with God that it's going to bear fruit, that it's going to trickle over, and this is where it's going to go, okay? So just a couple of pictures for me of just what it looks like to abide in him. Secondly, become as a child. Become as a child. God desires to be dad in our lives. He desires to be father. Jesus came to reveal the father so that we could have relationship with him. Matthew 18 says, Truly I say to you, unless you turn and become like children, you will never enter the kingdom of heaven. And so, man, we complicate it. We think it's all this stuff that we have to do. 
And God is going to give us the power and the energy as we rest in him as a child. Lastly, in living at home with him, is to enjoy God's blessing. You're thinking, okay, man, he like told me this stuff, so like, should I not watch the game tonight? Should I not watch the commercials? Like, should I sell the boat? Um, you know, okay, the second home, should I not have it? I don't know. That's for you and God. But I know this, that if you keep uh, God as first, I believe that he wants us to enjoy those second things. Now, he might lead you to give it up because you know that if you hang on to it, it's always going to be a first thing. But I think that if we keep God first, I think he wants us to enjoy this earth and this planet and this place that he has blessed us with. Okay? So, whew, I feel like that was a lot. Maybe a little much. Um, but I truly believe that that this picture of God being our dad, that even though we're far off, that these idols that we chase, that once we realize that they are sinful things and God wants us to turn and come back home, that there's love and there's grace and there's mercy. So let me pray for us. Father, thanks uh, for your word. Uh, God, thanks that you desire for us to flee from things that keep us from you. Uh, Because you desire uh, for us uh, to have joy, uh, to have life, um, and that can only truly be found uh, in a relationship with you, um, in your embrace, through through abiding um, with you. God, I pray that you would continue your work in our hearts, Um, God, I pray uh, that we would not leave here uh, and go wrestle alone, but may we talk with others um, and may we talk with you. Thanks for your son and thanks for your spirit. And it's in Christ's name we pray, amen.